0: scouser podcast we're back this week i'm your host muchin and with me today is my fellow chicagoland american scouser gordon gordon how's it going it's
1: going well muchin thanks for having me tonight uh did you shovel yet or are you waiting for later yeah actually uh we got dumped on last night i think it was for like the first time in a while it was worse down south than it was up north so we got like uh four and a half inches down here
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted to get out there before it gets too bad. At least it's kind of like light snow right now as opposed to the icy crap. But we were just talking about how it was going to be so far an easier winter. So there goes that.
1: Uh, Back to the shoveling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Literally, as soon as you had texted the group that I got a report from uh, from my office, because most of my office works in the field, and it was uh, like winter advisory warnings. And I'm like, Jesus, you jinxed us.
0: Damn groundhog! <laughs>
1: I blame the groundhog for that.
0: Well, let's go back to let's go back to Liverpool. Um, obviously, kind of going to be a quiet weekend coming up with no games, and with the lead we have, I mean, will we even? Will you? I mean, it's soccer, so I'll watch it. Uh, but it's not. It's going to be kind of like casual watching whatever games are on this weekend. I think City plays West Ham. Uh, but it's just going to be like casual watching. But we just had the FA Cup action. Um, which I didn't get a chance to talk to you about. So let's kind of like go over that a little bit. And let me take your angle on this whole, um, you know, Liverpool kind of not caring too much about the FA Cup and sending the kids out there. I mean, the kids are great and we'll go back to the game and talk about that. But uh, let's first start with the concept that we kind of took it a little bit easy and uh, sent the kids out there. So what did you think of, you know, that decision, first of all?
1: Oh man, it was—it's really tough because I totally agree with Klopp in, in the sense that um a lot of these players, you know, the Van Dykes, the Mane's, the Salas—they don't get a break anymore. I mean, they play like now that we've got the, this European League or whatever the crap that they invented to like fit in between Euros and, and the World Cup, it, these guys aren't getting a break. They're playing like 70 straight games. They're getting a week off in between that and then the start of the season. And then you've got, like, the FA Cup and the, the Carabao Cup started adding, like, these, these home and away legs uh, late in the competition when it always used to just be a, a single-round knockout. And so I think it's, add, it's adding so many games to these players' calendars, and it's – I mean, they're not robots. And so I totally agree with him in that sense. And then the Premier League finally comes up with a winter break, which I felt that they've, they've needed to do for a while – and Klopp was like the biggest proponent of that. And then the FA Cup replay comes along and it's one of those things where like as a fan, I'm like, no, we need the strongest lineup because I want to go through the next round. But then as a human being, I'm like, well, if you're going to be the one talking about it, you also then have to set the precedent for it and put your money where your mouth is and, and stand up for, for what's right. And luckily for Klopp, it comes off because I, I think like that's, a huge statement. I think that even if they had lost, it was a big statement. Which you know, the FA I felt had punished us for for not securing TV rights in like any country. Almost nobody got to watch it. I mean, we had to illegally stream the game and uh, to to find something that that we could that we could watch, and it wasn't even that great to, of quality. But I mean, in the end, you got to compliment them. It it comes off, which which makes it a bigger statement. I was on the fence, like like I said, my heart was like, no, nah, I want to, I want the strongest team out there, and then my head was like, no, nah, I think this is a good move for him. But um, now we can have our cake and eat it too, I guess.
0: And I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, I see all kinds of like arguments going about it online, and yeah, you look at. If you want to be kind of like see where Liverpool is at and be happy about where we're at, just look at the different conversations and arguments the fans are having online. Uh, like, uh, when are we going to clinch the title? Or where should we clinch the title? Or, you know, <laughs> should we win with the top team in a FA Cup or should we win with the kids in the FA Cup? These are the arguments we're having. So it's a good time to be a fan. But, right. you know, and I understand the concept of, you know, we should win as many trophies as possible and stuff like that. But I think my perspective is most of those people who are saying, oh, we should have feel that you know, like our top lineup, you know, should take it seriously. You know, these guys don't need a break. That's why you have a deep squad, blah, blah, blah. If we, they were asked two or three months ago, I would say 90% of them would say, screw the fake up, win the league.
1: Right.
0: I get the sense, the sense that, you know, since we have such a huge lead and it almost looks like it's, Already done, almost done. Now it goes back to what you're telling. you know, like having the cake and eating it too. You're like, well, why don't I have a little bit of that too? And then <laughs> why don't we win the FA Cup as well? Uh I mean, I know, you know, we've had discussions on this pod where we in the beginning of the year we didn't even care about Champions League. We were like, We wanna win the league, we wanna yeah. win the title. Yeah, and we're
1: talking so about it's we're like
0: so, it's almost like we're adding more, more right. and am- more. So we said run up to here, and then now that you know the team got there, we're like, okay, well just keep going further. You're tired, doesn't matter, just keep going. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: yeah. I want more and more trophies.
0: Yeah, and like I say, I mean, yeah, it is great to collect trophies, but I almost get the sense that you know the FA Cup, the League Cup, and if you look around, honestly, in most leagues, the League Cup themselves, aside from the league, is almost has become almost like a consolation prize. If we were not in the title race and if you're out of the, you know, like a team like, let's say, Tottenham, you know, this is the only thing Mourinho has got going. Like they got, you know, to be able to finish the league and finish the season and say, well, we got something out of it. It's almost like a consolation prize in most cases right. if, if you look around Europe. In most leagues, it's the same way. Um, so I, I just that's my thing. I, you know, fielding the team. You already told these guys they're going to have this break. And to come back and say, well, the you know, the mix, uh, you know, the squad we put out there couldn't hold on to the 2-0 lead. So I guess you guys going to have to cancel the vacations. It's kind of like goes against everything that Klopp does. And how do you, you know, the trust that he establishes with players and to be consistent with what you're saying I thought it was the right decision, and I honestly cannot even understand why people were so upset. The, not other teams of other fans. I mean, fans of other teams, but more like Liverpool fans. Why there were so many fans
1: upset with the decision? Well, I think like like I said, I was I was on board with Klopp. But I guess to play devil's advocate, you sort of touched on it in, in your explanation. But they had a decently strong squad. It wasn't their starting 11, but it was a decently strong squad that couldn't get the job done. So you you sort of, as a fan, you're like, well, Shrewsbury obviously has the, they have the capability to, to give us some trouble. Um, and so we're pretty much surrendering because, I mean, we've already seen what happens when the u 23 team plays a decent squad. And even though they outplayed Villa, they got smashed by him. And I don't think anybody wanted to see that. Now, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you this: I think that the the Philly game was perfect for us to lose because I think it it even though our, our first team went out and won the um, won the Club World Cup, it sort of said you know Liverpool have a loss to the, their name in in England, and I think that sort of helps. And then as soon as we tied, as soon as Shrewsbury came back and tied us, I said we've won the league. Because that's, that's enough. There was enough starters in the squad and on the bench that were like, okay, we're not invincible and untouchable. And they they got to move on to the next round while also learning a lesson. And I, I guess, I don't know. I think that the fans that were upset probably just felt that this was a chance to go for the treble. And like you said, I think it's just a little bit of greed and also – like, the FA Cup used to be a really big thing. I don't think it's as big as it, it, as it was now. I think it is just this, like, extra competition where you can try extra players. And there's so many deep squads that this is the t- chance that those players get a chance to play. And I think a lot of fans saw this as a great opportunity for Lovren to get back into shape, for Machip to get some minutes back. Fabinho definitely needs more minutes. He still looks a little rusty. And they saw this as a perfect opportunity to get those boys 90 minutes and and uh, without costing us a loss in the league. But I don't know. I just think I, – I really think this was the right move. And, and I wasn't sure why people were getting so upset about it. But you can't please everybody.
0: I, I think, like, one thing you mentioned is that one of the main reasons is that a Cup has a bit more of a like – a, especially for, like, the older generation, I guess. Not that I'm young at all. I should probably with that generation, I'm not, but, uh, <laughs> but for the older generation, I think it has more of like a sentimental value. I don't think there would be so much of, a, you know, like an anger coming from some fans if it was the League Cup in question, but because yes. it was the FA Cup, I think. But I think the the value of the FA Cup has diminished over the years because of the introduction of the Champions League. And how much bigger that has gotten as opposed to just being like occasional games because of like, you know, the group stages and all that kind of stuff is so many games. I feel like that's why these most of these domestic cups in my eyes are kind of put on the back burner now because not only financially, but in terms of status wise, I mean, nobody wants to come to a Premier League team to be able to play in their FA Cup. You know, people want to come to the top team so they can go compete in the Champions League and stuff like that. So... um. But it sounds like we're in agreement in terms of, like, the right move. And it did pay off, amazingly. And it was – I actually – I'll be honest. I enjoyed watching this game more than the first game. Uh yes, just, yes. I feel like the kids play better when they play amongst themselves. Uh, I don't know if it's the familiarity. I don't know if it's, like, a, you know, like a lack of pressure in terms of, like, you know – whatever we do, we do kind of thing. And being home, I think, helped. But that was just like an amazing performance, and it was so much fun
1: to watch. Yeah, and I, I really think that the key there is that, you know, Klopp probably could have stepped in and coached those kids. But I think you're you're spot on by saying it's it's a little bit more comfortable. It's their entire team that they've played with all season. It's even the same coach, so they, there's not like a change in the dressing room. It's sort of, even though it is an FA Cup second round, uh, at home at Anfield in front of what it was like 53,000 people showed up. Um, but it's still, I, I feel like if you walked into the dressing room as a U23 player and Jurgen Klopp was the guy that was giving you the, he practiced with you with you all week and then he gave you the, the pre-game speech and then the halftime speech, there's a little bit more pressure. I and mean, I think that it was played perfectly because, you know, I don't think Klopp would have minded holding off a day or two to, to go on vacation to to – Coach this, and I think that because, I mean, he's not, I don't think that he's too tired. He loves what he does. He was protecting his players here, and, but I, I do think that putting Neil Crecci in and leaving him in there, um, it definitely created a a just business as usual type feel for him, but I mean, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought the kids were fantastic. It's Like, they completely dominated the game. The ESPN has him at 70% possession, and uh, Shrewsbury didn't even get a single shot on target, so They absolutely dominated the game. And I think you're right. Most
0: of the resentment comes, especially not from Liverpool fans, but I think around the league, all the the pundits and stuff like that, I think most of the resentment comes from the fact that Klopp wasn't there and he's going to be, you know, vacationing and not to boot, you know, we want to. Uh, So I think that that's where it's coming from, that, you know, he's not there to coach the team. But I think that was the perfect decision. Like you are saying, just the familiarity and probably like less pressure on the guys. But I mean, Looking at that field and watching some of those guys, and I realize, you know, they're going against, you know, Shrewsbury, so it's not, you know, Premier League kind of a competition, but a lot of promising names okay. over there. I mean, you know, out of that 11, some of those kids we might never hear from again or, you know, eventually get loaned out or sold and stuff like that might never be good enough for our squad. But looking at it, I mean, I know... I thought there were at least four to five players that I really think down the road we could see them with our top lineup. So what were, like, if you threw, like, five names at me, who were your top five would be, like, players that you can see playing with our, you know, like, first squad?
1: Well, we've got the best back line in Europe, I think, at this point. But that back line, I... (laughs) I mean, I would, I would take that, um, you know, if we're playing like a Bournemouth or an Norwich, somebody that's not really doing well for points. I mean, Lewis, Vandenberg, Hoivier, and uh, Williams, I think they played out of their skin. And I know that they didn't get too much action, but I think they held their own. I think that Williams and Lewis looked almost like-for-like like with Robertson and and um, Trent in the way that they went forward and, and focused more on supplying passes to the inside. I think Harvey Elliott is a diamond in the rough. I think that the talent the kids already got at 16 years old um, is unbelievable. I there wasn't there wasn't too many players that that I wasn't impressed with at, at some point. I mean there there were players that had quieter nights, um, but I think what this did too, like you said, I think there's probably we're probably only going to see maximum four players. I'd be surprised if we saw five players even make the bench in the next five or six years for Liverpool. But what this has done is increase the market value. It pretty much put these boys in the window shop. I mean, the way that we've worked the, the transfer market in the past six years has been just one masterstroke after another. And I think that Klopp just pretty much put an extra dollar sign. You know, like when you go to on Google Maps and you look up a restaurant, it's got the dollar signs. It just added an extra one to each one of these players which will benefit us in the long run. I, I think it, it's not only has it done wonders for these kids who get this boost mentally and physically from this win, um, it gives the ba- our bank accounts like a little future bump there because I think a lot of these players just increase their value on the world stage, which is fantastic.
0: So when you say for borderline 5 I'm assuming we're on the same page here in terms of uh, who is who you have. Um, so the four, I'm assuming, is Nico, Elliot, Curtis Jones, and are you... Okay, that's the three I would guarantee think that you have in yours, right? Who did you have yes. in as four and five in there?
1: So it's close for me because... I, there's still um, like Shirevella. I think still he's old, he's the oldest one of the group, but I think he's there's still this thought that he could break out. He could be a late bloomer and break out. There's Vanderberg, who I think would would perfectly tandem Virgil Van Dyke. Hoyer um, has been really good. I, I've liked him. I don't think that that Liverpool has found where he's most effective yet. But I think he he's a possibility. And then uh, Kelly, the goalie. I mean, that's it's a great spot and backup to have. I actually think that most likely, like I'd probably take any one of those guys in that in that fourth or fifth spot. But I think most likely it'll probably be Kelly because it's such goalies are so hard to come by. And if you can just keep one in your academy, I mean, we had like Brad Jones on the on the roster for like 13 years, and I think he played like six and a half games. So I think most likely it'll probably be the goalkeeper spot for that one, but I could take one of five players and I'd be happy with it.
0: Yeah, I think to me, I think Pedro is the the big question mark. I think, I mean, the kids like field vision, and he's not as kid up a kid, I guess, as the rest of the squad. like right. it Was the guy out there? I mean, mind you, he's only 22, but. Uh, <laughs> We're at that almost like, you know, era now where once you're like mid 20s, it's almost like you're old. Um, So, I mean, even though you haven't hit your prime, I think in terms of potential and how far you're going to get becomes, you know, more apparent in your like early 20s now, if that, you know. Um, I just don't know if he can keep up with the Premier League physically. Otherwise, I feel like he's so comfortable on the ball, he has great field vision great passing uh that's probably the only concern is is he going to be able to be strong enough to play the position that he does play right now in the Premier League but yeah I mean there's definitely I mean Curtis Jones was just amazing uh and I think he'll definitely be one of those players that's going to be moved up next year and mind you you know this crew normally would have Brewster who will be loaned out so he can get more playing time uh, I think that's right. Fun. I
1: didn't like TJ Miller. didn't didn't impress me that much. I didn't think that he he sh- shined out. But the other thing that I, I was just thinking about too with with Shiravella is he's sort of in competition with the forgotten man Gruich, who's who's been on loan for the last what, like four years. But he's only 23, and he they pretty much play the same position. I think I really think that Klopp wants Gruich to to be something or or to fit into this team eventually. And I think that's probably who, who Sherevel will will lose out to in terms of a a squad position. And I think that's mainly because I, I mean,
0: it feels like, you know, based on who's played in that position for us in the past, you know, whether it's it's Henderson, Fabinho and, you know, Genie at times and stuff like that, you know, Klopp does want somebody physical over there and i think that's why grouich probably has you know the inside lane in terms of like grabbing that spot because he has the size and he's like a more physical player uh compared to pedro here but technically i think you know in terms of like passing ability and stuff like that i still feel like even though he has less experience in terms of like, you know, playing in the top divisions, I feel like Pedro has more potential. But you might be right, you might end up losing that spot mainly due to lack of experience number one, and two, like I say, the physical ability to be able to win more balls in the air, be able to hold balls and you know, like almost like come in between those two center backs when needed.
1: Right.
0: So Here's another, I mean, this what I mean, like you look at the online discussions that are happening in the groups or, you know, like online under like forums and stuff like that. And so next game going against Chelsea, who do we see out there? Do we see the kids out there? Do we see the top team out there? Or do we see a lineup similar to the first FA Cup game against you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, what is it? March? I think it's March 3rd. So it's sandwiched between Watford and Bournemouth. And Watford's away, Bournemouth's at home. I say you put the first team out there. I say you now you try and win this thing and you let the kids have their moment in terms of the reason that we're here is because of them. Uh, I think that if you put them out against Chelsea, Frank Lampard is, is, Struggling to get points now. I think that Bill, they're going to be in a battle for fourth, and he might look at the FA Cup and say, you know, we might just miss out on Champions League. Let's win some silver in my first year, and he'll go all out and put a strong team out for Chelsea and just wipe the floor with these kids. And then all this hype that they have it just goes by the wayside. I think it's sort of in a protection move. You keep, keep the kids out of it. Um, save face, let them have their moment in the sun, and if we do end up listing the, the FA Cup uh, at the end of the year, then then we can look back and go, you know, the, the reason that we're standing on this podium is because of those kids.
0: I think that there's a huge game on, like, February 22nd between Chelsea and Tottenham, and I think that will kind of almost, pretty much, on this is the draw, uh, I mean, if Chelsea wins that, I mean, they're at home, but obviously it's not like a derby game, but um if they win that i feel like they would be able to almost kind of like secure champions league a lot better uh and then that might change you know how they approach this because you would think going into the off season where you know they will have to sign which i was amazed that they did not really make any additions in january knowing You know, they were at a ban and stuff like that. They were finally, you know, like, go out and play. And they were like, no, I'm just going to stay inside. And not just, like, not buy anybody. Um, But to feel like, you know, Champions League, to be able to attract the people they probably want to go after, you would think that's probably more important to them even compared to Spurs, right?
1: Well, actually, yeah, now that I'm looking at Chelsea's lineup, they've got United next. Then Tottenham, you'd think that if they probably won both, if they took six points off of that, they're probably home home and dry for Champions League. Then they've got Bournemouth, which should be an easy, Bournemouth at home for easy three points. Then they take on us in the FA Cup. And then the very next game, Oh, well, that's still two weeks out, but it's Bayern. So they, you're probably right. They probably do set up a, could set up differently. But seeing the gap, they so they play us on the third in the FA Cup, when they don't play again until the 18th. So you could potentially feel the strong lineup and give them two weeks off before they have to play Bayern Munich. So I don't know. It, it It's a toss-up. I, I still think that you, you'd probably protect the kids just because I think that Chelsea, even even a half, half-baked half Chelsea team, could probably do some damage to, to the U23 team.
0: Yeah, I feel like we won't have the same, like, we won't have all the kids out there. But I almost expect, I mean, based on our health and stuff at the time, too, like how many players are back, you know, is Shaq back healthy? Is Milner back healthy? You know, like, is everybody healthy at the time, like Keita and stuff like that? But I almost expect, like, a more of a mix, to be honest with you, uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, probably similar to the first game, but still have, like, Elliot out there, Curtis Jones out there and stuff like that. You know, have some of the young kids with some experience out there, knowing, I mean, even Chelsea's ideal lineup has a lot of youth in it as well. So they're not like, you know, like throwing out there a very experienced team, like, you know, like players like they had last year. So that's going to be interesting to see. And I think it's pretty much going to develop over whatever happens in the Champions League games and league games that Chelsea has. And we have uh, over the month of February. So that's going to be interesting to see, but I mean, going back to like how we kind of started talking, I still I mean it would be nice to have, but I it's not a I would not be terribly disappointed and I'll still be able to sleep peacefully at night if we we're eliminated from the FA Cup personally.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think that we'll put a hundred percent team out for Chelsea. But I, I I think that'll be a little bit stronger than it'll probably be close to what we put out for the first Shrewsbury game in terms of, you know, like you said, Shaq's probably ready to go. He'll give him 90 minutes. Cato, uh, 90 minutes. You know, he'll get some of these guys that aren't seeing the pitch a lot some time out. And I think he'll probably rest the big guns for it.
0: So now that we're talking, kind of talking about like top four and Champions League and stuff like that, that's one thing kind of like I want to take a look at and uh, see who you think is going to make it and who we're going to be saying goodbye to uh at the bottom of the league so let's start with the top we we won the title yes or no
1: oh yeah yeah i think like i said as as soon as we shrewsbury came back after we were up by two goals in the first I uh, that was i feel like that was enough for me where those boys were like yeah this this 16th place for league one team has the ability to score two goals on us in the second half and yeah it wasn't our strongest team but you know Mane, Sala, the big guys were on the bench, so they were experiencing that with everybody as a group, and they're not going to let that happen again. And as soon as I saw that, that was sort of a humbling moment. And I, With the little run that we have now in terms of the teams, I think there's enough there's enough teams there we can get three points off of that, and I think that the, the air is deflated out of City. There's really nothing for them to play for. I think they'll they'll probably start dropping some points.
0: Well, that'd be good. Second question. Go <laughs> good good uh, transition there. So, does City say there's no difference between being second and third and fourth and uh, kind of like focus on the Champions League and continue to drop points? In other words, does Leicester City have a shot at being second or they just don't have enough kind of like horses to keep racing?
1: Well, I, you know... <laughs> It's a good question. I, I really don't think it that second, third matters that much. they city's 10 points off of Chelsea in fourth right now, and there's 13 games left. I think that 10 points in 13 games is probably too much for uh, the golfing class between Chelsea and city. Um, so I think city's probably fine. Leicester could get some points, but. Does it matter? I think that it takes a lot of steam out. I mean, when these guys go out, like, what are they going to play for? I actually think that City now turned their attention fully to the Champions League and they just scrap it because, I mean, their manager pretty much gave up. He, he's already in, in his post-game uh, press conference, and I know that it's heated. And I honestly don't like when they talk to managers and players after a game like that because they they pretty much bait him, and there's so much emotion and I feel like sometimes they can, they shoot themselves in the foot. And I think that was one of them. One of the, the, um, the reporters asked Pep if the title was over and Pep just nodded his head and laughed. And he's like, I need you to say it. Cause I can't quote you nodding your head. And he goes, yes, is that what you want to hear? It's over. And I think like, and in the dressing room, my manager said that it's like, whatever, I really don't care about this league anymore. Then he doesn't think we can do it, but who knows? It's, he could drive them. He's a great man manager in terms of like finding a little bit of motivation for them to play. But if I was on city right now, I I'd be looking elsewhere for to, to get points at.
0: Yeah. You would think all the, you know, the old eggs are going to be in the other baskets. I mean, they're in the other running, you know, competitions for like the domestic cups. And obviously the one he has not won, the champions League, will be probably their focus. And if anything, you would think they would rotate as much as possible to the rest players and stuff like that. But even so, I still think, I mean, they have so much talents even coming off the bench. I mean, that squad is pretty deep. I know they're not at their, you know, peak and they're kind of like struggling by city standards, you know. Uh, but I still think they have enough to keep kind of like Leicester City at bay and like finish as second. So obviously we're putting Leicester in there in the mix. I mean, with the points they have right now, um, I don't see how they would not uh, finish in the top four, to be honest with you. And I have faith in that. I mean, that's a quality uh, squad over there. Who is making the fourth? I know we were talking about it earlier. I mean, this, this February will kind of like decide it. That probably the games they play against each other is going to be determining that more than you know, like points gained or lost against others. But who is going to finish in fourth? You think?
1: So the really interesting thing for me is that I actually think that that Leicester and Chelsea have been in the top four for so long, and like I said, there's so much gap between first. Like, there's no way that they're going to catch Liverpool yet. Below them, Tottenham, Sheffield, Man United can actually. I think they they have a possibility of making it very interesting because like they still have something to play for. Whereas like, I feel like you sort of take your foot off the gas when you've been first, second, third, fourth has been the same for what, like six and a half, seven weeks now. Um, And I think that the the teams under you are the ones you got to start worrying about. And I think there's only like what, four points between each of them. It's good. Yeah. We got Chelsea at 41 points, then Wolves and eighth and 35. So, couple games there they all have to play each other still I think it it could get pretty interesting I think though that Tottenham probably edges out Chelsea I don't think that I think that Leicester dropped points I think City's probably safe in second I think Leicester dropped points and I would assume that Manchester United and and Tottenham sort of make it pretty interesting I'd love it if, if Sheffield and Wolves stuck around but We'll see with the amount of games that are piling up. Um, and I think Sheffield, the end of the season is really tough for Sheffield. Yes, I think they. It yes, it is. Yeah, they've got Chelsea, Wolves, Leicester. Well, I mean, they've played City and Liverpool already for the second time, so those are out of the way. You never know. They've played a really good year. I just I don't see them being in the hunt for fourth place. But I think that United and Tottenham sort of give Chelsea and Leicester a little bit of trouble really I feel like Leicester is pretty safe
0: I mean they're at like 49 points they I think like United you know like Tottenham they dug themselves such a big hole in inconsistent performances that I think Leicester I mean I don't see that gap closing I don't see like Rodgers having them collapse that bad but I agree in terms of Tottenham though I think Tottenham Mourinho will work. Is you know he'll park the bus, get the points, and they have enough talent, I think, up front. And I think they play better without Kane personally. Uh, especially like they make better use of their attacking players without Kane, so that you know everybody doesn't have to look and see where he's at, kind of thing. Anytime they get the ball, uh, I know they you know they sold Eriksson and stuff, which almost like feels like it kind of cleared the air a lot better. It was something that was kind of talked all over the time. It's done an over with kind of thing, so. I really think they will catch Chelsea and they'll be the fourth ones. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I and mean, we talk about, you know, Sheffield United and Wolves like having tough games. But at the same time, you can say the same thing about, you know, United and Tottenham, too. Everybody's yeah, each other up there. So really, if Sheffield United can pull it off, I just don't think they have as much talent to be able to have those moments that, you know, like a team like you know, like even United or like Tottenham can't have because they have some players. It depends on when Rashford comes back and stuff. But I think it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to grab that four spots because we all know how much, you know, Champions League means in terms of like summer recruitments. And we're all talking about teams that will need a lot of, you know, reinforcements in the summer. So you either yeah. have to overpay like United does every year or you've got to make it the Champions League and make yourself a bit more attractive, really.
1: Right, yeah, and honestly if you're if you're Sheffield United, you almost pro- you don't want them to even be in the Europa spot, I think because I think I don't think that they're deep enough to handle it. I'm really surprised that wolves are still in the mix because I thought that you know they'd pull a Burnley and just burn themselves out. They' played the most games in the league so far out of anybody I'm pretty sure out of anybody in Europe or the top five leagues they played more games um with the Europa League competition because they had to play the play. And um, but they've they've actually done really well in Europe and and maintained themselves in in um, in the Premier League, so I think they'll get a little bit of a boost uh, financially from that. But I think Sheffield, Sheffield would probably shoot themselves in the foot by being that high in the league at the end of the season. And who are we saying goodbye to?
0: Norwich, I'm assuming, is a lock.
1: <laughs> Norwich is definitely going. Watford, I still think, like Troy Deeney. Coming back from injury and starting to fire, I think that they they have the ability to pull themselves out. I think that Villa, Bournemouth, and Brighton are are in big trouble in terms of their recent performance. I think that uh, that it's going to be a real scrap at the bottom because right now, from 19th to 15th, is only three points. So. Every single game is going to be a relegation scrap, scrap for them. I probably will put my money on Villa and Brighton going down. What, not. Uh, sorry, Norwich, uh, Brighton, and uh, Villa. I think that West Ham are too big of a club. I think they'll find a way out. They'll do a great escape. And I think Watford, as long as Troy Deeney stays fit, I think that they've got enough talent to... Keep them out. It might come down to goal difference, though.
0: Which, yeah, I I, I agree with Villa. I think they're going to be going on with Norwich. Uh, Brighton always seems to find a way, but that team has been like the same. I mean, Bournemouth just can't score goals. That's their problem. But um, I'm going to say Bournemouth, actually. Uh, I'm going to say Norwich, Villa, and Bournemouth. Just that, I mean, just looking at the fixtures they have. I agree with what you're saying in terms of West Ham. And I think Watford has been on, a like, a run of some sort, uh, a couple of games back-to-back here. Uh, and they get their, you know, they play United, then they play us, and then they kind of have, like, easier games going forward. And they, I mean, easier games as in they're playing other teams that are in, you know, danger of being relegated. I just feel like, you know, they have more firepower, I guess, like you're saying. Yeah. Like, and stuff like that, I think they have more firepower to be able to beat some, you know, get three points out of some of those games and kind of, like, pull themselves out. So so looking at all this fixture mess and yet another discussion, you know, going on online, do you even care when we clinch the title?
1: No, because, (laughs) just because, like, I think one thing that everyone has gotten... Uh, a little bit, a little used to this season is the fact that we've only dropped two points. And I know that everyone wants to keep that going. And and when you play FIFA, you try and do the perfect season where you don't lose a game and you're playing on, you know, the God mode and, and you're trying to to go through without dropping any points. But six months ago, anyone would have taken your hand off to win it on goal difference on the last day. So I personally don't care. I I know I mean, you know, do we win at,
0: you know, everybody's doing calculations. I mean, literally after the game last week, more than, I did not read much about the game itself in terms of, you know, like, you know, like analyzing how the game went, who did what, you know, who played well, who did not. None of that stuff. It was just more about doing calculations based on are we going to win it here? Are we going to win at City? Are we going to win at, like, you know, like Everton? Or do we want to win at home? And, yeah, I personally, mind you, as people are listening, they're probably, like, there's some people just screaming.
1: Screaming at us, yeah. (laughs) You know, I think
0: they're saying, like, don't jinx it, don't say it. But I I, I think I'm on the same thing with you. I feel like, you know, the tile is pretty much won. It would be the biggest collapse ever, and this team – shows no signs of anything like that i mean not even close to it so um but i think i'm on the same boat as you really does not matter i think i'd rather have it at home personally um i think it would be a better event i mean yeah rubbing it in while winning it away is a different thing but i really feel like you know winning it at Anfield after the three points you know like a win would kind of be a better atmosphere than winning at you know like city or something like that so um Which, okay, so now that's the first part of the argument where, you know, and the second part was, how much do we care once we clinch the title? uh, Do you want to go, you know, undefeated with Invincibles or would you rather have us focus on the Champions League? Hoping that, you
1: know, obviously we're still in it and, you know, going forward with it. Well, I want to see if we do clinch it in, what, five, six games. Um... I, as much as it's feels so weird to say this, because I think you and I are the two of the people that always complain the most about sitting there and like not being able to relax while we watch games. But, like, in six games that we've clinched it, you know, I, I don't think I care too much about the record because I mean, even if when you look at the Invincibles of Arsenal, um, we're way better than that team, and I don't think that anybody needs. The record. I mean, you know, there'll be a little asterisk, oh, we lost one game or whatever, but we still lifted the title. It's been 30 years. I don't think we can be too picky. I want us to go deep in Champions League because it'll give me a little bit of anxiety back, and I, I feel like I can't, I can't be a Liverpool supporter and watch games for fun, and so I need, I need a little bit of anxiety. Otherwise, I feel like I'm cheating the system or something's not right, and there's a glitch in the matrix or something, and. And just you know increase the stress levels as you watch yeah. the games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I'm, I'm not sure if I can function without being a little bit stressed out when I watch games. So uh, I think I I wouldn't care so much about going undefeated, but I think I would want to turn your focus on on, on the Champions League because as a club and and how high that you're at, you sort of need that a little bit of motivation too because you win it in march or you know first week of april and you still got two months to play and what do you do how do you motivate the players i mean yeah getting an undefeated record is is great and but i don't think that's a big enough carrot to put in front of these players faces i think that honestly champions league premier league titles together in the same season would be icing on the cake and i think that's the motivation and honestly If you've got nothing to worry about for two months besides knockout football, I think that it's very possible we get into the final again.
0: And I think that's the fear, though. It's almost... I mean, you look at last year. I mean, I've watched probably the highlight reels or different videos of the Barcelona game. uh, The one we won, obviously, for 0 at home. I, I can I couldn't tell you how many freaking times I watched it. Uh, there are times where it's on. You know, like you know, my wife walks in, looks at it, and she just shakes her head and walks away, it's like you're watching this again <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and one of the things that you always hear in the beginning is the fact that Barcelona came to Anfield having rested their entire, you know, starting eleven. Uh, they did not play that weekend's before facing us. I think there's something to be said about momentum uh, being in the field of like the game speed and stuff like that. So I almost feel like kind of taking the foot off the pedal can kind of backfire. I mean, kind of look at PSG. Uh, We always talk about, you know, how they struggle in the Champions League because, you know, they go to these league games. It's more like, is it going to be four or six today, you know? And then, you know, it's kind of like a easy going. And then suddenly you face a top quality team in Champions League. And, it's not that easy to flip that switch, uh, and by the time you're able to realize how to do it, when to do it, it's the you know it's over. <laughs> so they have to wait for the year after. So that's I guess my biggest fear in terms of once we clinch, whenever the heck that happens, and it's more like I think we will keep going. Invisible would be like you're saying it would be like a small carrot there but i think in terms of you know winning mentality it would kind of go against what club constantly preaches in terms of you know game at a time we're not looking ahead next battle next battle next battle i think you know you will see more rotation than maybe normal but i just don't see you know like a huge rotation where there's like you know you know considering our 11 right now i think you know you still have nine out of the 11 out there you know you might rest you know, Bobby one game, and then next game you might rest Mo or something like that, have Debak out there. But I just don't see, because of the mentality, it just would not go with the message that we keep saying in terms of next game, next game, we only look at the next game thing. And then next thing you know, you know, only half, you know, the benches out there because there's a Champions League game. I just think that would send the wrong message to the players as well.
1: Yeah, I think you're, you're probably right. There's something to be said about the fact that we were pushing until the last day in the league sort of kept that momentum going into the champions league. Cause we were, that we had this underdog mentality where we're chasing, chasing, chasing every game matters. And, and when you approach every single game the same way with the same intensity, it just breeds success and it breeds luck really. And I think there's probably, you're probably spot on with that. I didn't really consider that, but I've, I've, watch games though where I felt like players should have been rested and then you know he he starts a really impressive starting 11 I'm going what are you doing you know we've got we've got (laughs) Napoli like a must win Napoli game midweek why the hell are these guys starting on Sunday this doesn't make any sense to me so I personally don't think I I think you're spot on with Klopp he doesn't care it really is a, a game by game I don't think he rests anybody I think that from here on out in the league, he goes out to go get three points in every single game uh, just to keep that that mentality up. But, yeah, I think that you can do so much on paper, you can do so much on training, but it really comes down to players' mentality. And if you lift that trophy first week in April, I mean, mentally they may check out. and That could be dangerous.
0: Yeah, and I think that's going to be, like, the biggest thing is how – he manages it i just feel like we just keep going like we didn't even clinch the title yet and just keep going at it that's just kind of like the mentality of putting the next person away whoever that might be and i think that's kind of like the dna of this team and that's kind of like how they keep going but you're right i mean it would be interesting i mean you're slightly better than i am or maybe a lot better than I am, but you know I can't even like lean back normally when I watch games. I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted after the beginning, I'm exhausted. I like I I feel like I played out there. Uh, but this <laughs> has been like different in terms of. I think like I said, we started the season thinking every game has to be three points. So I was never comfortable even when it was 0-0 because you're like you gotta win, you gotta win. Because based on our experience from last year, where both of them were winning every single game. You know, there was pressure to score when it was 0-0. It's been 30 minutes already. We got to get a goal in and stuff like right. that. And now it's like, whatever. I think part of it is because they're going to score anyway. It's almost like it becomes like the inevitable.
1: Yeah. And
0: the, the other part is what's the worst case scenario. I think it's a combination of that where even I can kind of like sit back and watch games, which has been really eerie uh is the game not on yet kind of thing because normally when the game is on everybody uh, not only in the household but in the neighborhood is probably well aware of it Uh, because i'm either yelling good stuff or bad stuff or whatever but uh, (laughs) now there are times where like is the game on i'm like yeah it's on i'm just
1: chilling watching liverpool which has not (laughs) happened
0: very long
1: yeah but last season i had a we had to have a rule instated. My fiance wouldn't let me stand until the last five minutes. Cause normally what happens is I'll try and relax. And then by the end of the game, I'd be pacing at the TV, you know, as soon as 80 minutes hit. And it's like, all right, I don't mind. You don't have, I, I get the feeling, but you got to stay seated until the 85th minute. And so, and now I'm like, I'm sitting down and I stay seated. And she's like, her, she's in shock that I'm not standing. And it's like, well, I'm just, I've got no worries. I know that we're going to win. I'm just enjoying this now.
0: Yeah, it's been, I mean, what a season they're having. I mean, it's a what a team to watch. Uh, it's just just been an amazing ride. And, I mean, yeah, it would be awesome to be able to, you know, cap it. And with all these, like, haters still, like, not acknowledging how great this team is um, by, you know, like, oh, they haven't won enough and they got to win at least a couple of these. Th- and, you know, it was like, you know, before it was like, well, they got to win something. So they won the Champions League. <laughs> and then it was like, well, they're going to win the league. Without winning the league, you're not great. And now, you know, the bar keeps getting raised. They just don't want to admit how great this team is. Now it's suddenly become, uh, they're going to win at these two three years and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. where does it end? When are you going to accept the fact that, I
1: mean, this team is crushing everything in this path? Yeah, I mean, that could be the motivation. is just the outside source. It's like, when, it, when is this team going to be good enough for you? And when we get 112 points at the end of the season... And it's never – that that record is never beaten. Um, I think that that's probably when when you you have to sit back and admit it. But I think there's people – there's certain people, in, and some of my friends are included in that group, that will never admit, oh, this is VAR. And I can share with them as many of the those articles that say, you know, actually Liverpool have not been helped by VAR in any sort of like um, – group way, you know, if you're looking at it for pluses and minuses, Liverpool are plus zero for VAR help this year. I can send that to them all day and they're, oh, you know what, yeah, but they're not counting this instance or that instance, so I don't there's certain people that you can't please and uh, those people are going to be pretty sad when, when they watch us lift the trophy. so I, I couldn't mind.
0: Yeah, it's almost like uh, the number of haters increasing is kind of proportional to I think how great your team is because uh, I think it's kind of like one breathes the other uh, and you might be right, actually. That might be a motivation for this team down the road uh, once they do clinch the title in terms of, like, why keep going and kind of, like, make a make their mark. I mean, I don't know. Uh, obviously, none of us are professional players. I, these guys have, obviously have the DNA of being, you know, ultra-competitive, and otherwise they would not be where they're at. But I don't know in terms of it i'm assuming it's different to henderson compared to like you know mo and stuff like that but like how much stats really motivate these guys uh would we'll love to kind of like really pick their brain not what they say to the microphones but oh yeah how much does really motivate them like do they you know is there really something that drives them uh, not personal stats wise but in terms of like the team stats wise like being invincible is that really something that motivates them or I think you're right. I think the feeling of lifting a trophy, especially most of this, you know, we pretty much have the same squad as last year for the most part, experience that joy. I think they will be more motivated by winning more trophies like the Champions League as opposed to being like invincible.
1: Definitely. Yeah, and it it, it is very contagious. But I, I think you're right. It's probably coming down to individual players for stats and stuff. But I know that like... uh uh, Robertson and, and Alexander Arnold always give each other crap about who's got the most assists and all that. So I think there's probably a little bit of that motivation because it see even when you watch some of these videos, of, like the funny videos from LFC TV and stuff, like there was one, it was like a 12 minute video of uh, Laverin and, and Mosal playing ping pong. Oh, and, like, <laughs> like ultra competitive. Like the last five minutes, I was like, are these guys going to be friends after this? It's like, I still feel like there's. There's competition inside the team for, for, for personal stats and stuff like that. So I think that they've found a really good balance in, in terms of, like, being able to hang out and and also kind of pushing each other and for spots and things. And, I mean, they've always brought up, or, or right after the Club World Cup, they brought up how Firmino went to Klopp about, you know, I don't feel like I'm contributing as many goals. And Klopp's like, what are you talking about? You're doing a bunch of other stuff, and who cares about that stat? and then all of a sudden he scores the game-winning goals in, in both games for the semifinal and the final, and, you know, everything's back to normal. So I think there is a there's an air of, of responsibility that these players feel like they have to themselves. I think that might be enough to carry them over the line in terms of um, keeping them interested and, and seeing how many records they could break. Because I, I know I'm ultra-competitive, and I know that if I was reading the papers at the end of the week, like, Oh yeah, look at I broke this stat or you know, I'm the youngest player ever that's gotten 6 goals away from home or whatever, you know, something like that. I would love doing that. I would love looking at those markers and checking those boxes week after week and that would be enough for me, but is it enough for it, for the team? So, I'm not I'm not sure. I think it like you said, it probably comes down to individuals, but I'm sure that Klopp is well aware of, of what drives each player and he can find a way to to kind of manipulate that in them yeah, I think that's going to be the
0: key in terms of like how to motivate each individual based on, you know, yeah, what drives them going. And obviously, I mean, he's there. He knows it. I mean, he knows these guys. And that's one of the biggest things. I think the familiarity this squad has with the coach amongst themselves, even, you know, being competitive. I mean, you know, there's always, you know, we always talk about the friendly competition. we been like, you know, Robo and Trent or You know, what people make it to be an unfriendly competition with being like Mane and Salah and stuff like that. But that's, I mean, these guys do not become successful by being easy-go-lucky. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, you have to have that ridiculous competitive spirit to be able to kind of keep going. Because they all had some like down periods. I mean, you listen to some of the stories in terms of how they came to, you know, where they're at right now. Like, you know, Mane, you know, Bobby. You know Salah. I mean, all of them have some stories where you're like, "Holy cow!" Like this guy had to go through this. Just didn't happen to, you know, be dropped off uh, by a soccer mom at their practice <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they become like, great players. <laughs> and so it, that takes a lot of drive, a lot of competitive spirit. So, and that's why I think this is such a likable team. Obviously, we're biased, uh, but that's what I really like about this team. Like the personalities we have in there that are. You know, we always talk about, like, MAPA and stuff like that. I mean, we don't, uh, like, fans do, like, MAP 2020 and stuff like that. I, that's one thing, like, I don't know how I would feel about that. That's, like, probably something that we can talk about on another pod uh, in terms of, like, you know, who we would like to see join and stuff like that. But I just like this team so much the way it is, mainly because of the makeup and, you know, like, their mindsets of, you know, knowing their backgrounds and how hard they worked from... It's kind of like we watched it evolve over the last couple of seasons to become this, you know, monster they have become, and that's why I think it's so much more fun. And hopefully, it's part of me says, you know, six more games, let's get this title. But man, it's almost like a, it, almost like a good dream where you really don't want it to end either.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely with you on that. I, one thing too that when you're talking about the personal competition stuff, um, it's one of the videos that came out at the beginning of the season, I'm just thinking about it now, um, was Virgil van Dyke passing out the the uh, FIFA games to all the <laughs> players. And it was the most depressing video ever because each one of them looked at it and was like, ah, I'm faster than that. Or like, oh, that's really what they think my shooting is. So maybe the motivation is to <laughs> increase their stats on FIFA. <laughs> yeah. So when they get those player cards next year, they'll be a little bit more – they'll be happier. Because I think – like it was that one was like a seven-minute video, and everyone that Virgil Pat handed the the card, the player cards to, they weren't happy with what the stats were. So I don't know, maybe maybe you play that video for him. But I will tell you one thing about FIFA. This is the, like the first year that I'm I'm not enjoying playing Liverpool because it's just too easy. To, that the team is so good. So I gave up and started playing with other teams because like normally it's like it. I feel like it's akin to like what Cubs fans felt like playing. Like MOB games. It's like, oh, this is my chance to make Liverpool a dynasty. And it's like, well, no, like (laughs) Liverpool's actually a dynasty. And like, that's not fun playing with them anymore because they're just too good. Yeah, you know uh, you have a great team when, you know, like when
0: I used to, you know, I'm a big FIFA player too, and, you know, always pick Liverpool and stuff, so regardless of who we had, you know, even in the crappy days, you were like, you know, hey, I'm going to make something out of this team. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, was, I, was I was only the coach, I would play this guy on the left, and, so, and now, and then you always played against real and barcelona everybody and their brother uh yep. to those teams and i'm finding myself playing against liverpool over and over again so <laughs> if we needed any more confirmation of how great this team is i think that's yeah. another one in the gaming world definitely well golden thanks for joining me uh we'll be talking uh on our next podcast we'll take a look around europe and kind of like go over some of the races and not so big of a races and talk about (laughs) that so um take care and keep enjoying the stream
1: sounds good looking forward to it thanks much